of sustainability talk. I apologize. This is um, so late. Uh, UND just got done with their spring break. Uh, my birthday was on Monday. I'm 25 years old, but don't tell anyone. And then actually last week, too, I was dealing with some family issues. There was um, a death in the family. So needless to say, I've been a little bit busy, definitely a little bit preoccupied. But I promise you guys the second half of Sustainable Energy and I'm here to bring it for you guys, and then we're going to get back on regular episodes, um, so you'll actually get this episode, Sustainable Energy Podcast number five, Sustainable Energy part two, I should say, and then the next podcast you'll have right after that, so be posting these two pretty close to each other, and that one we're going to talk a little bit about um, water sources. So living in Grand Forks, we have the Red River Valley. And it's definitely been an issue uh, keeping it clean. And um, as some might know, Red River Valley, the um, Red River flows north into Canada, connects to uh, Winnipeg Lake, Hudson Bay, and eventually uh, empties out into the Arctic. So I think I might have mentioned that probably in episode one in my introduction. But uh, we're finally going to come around. We're going to touch on the Red River Valley water source. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the crisis that uh, Flint experienced, water resources, um, you know, of course, Flint, that was lead poisoning due to some federal laws not being followed properly. I don't want to give it all away. We're going to talk about it tomorrow. But that led to a humanitarian crisis, essentially. And the damage done with the lead poisoning is, is done, and we can't really predict what's going to happen in the future with those children who are affected. So we're going to touch a little bit on the Flint water crisis. We're going to talk about um, the water protests we had in Bismarck over the oil pipeline, the uh, the oil pipeline that's connecting to, to parts of the Midwest. And we're going to talk a little bit about water resources in the whole world. Uh, we use about 17% of available water on the earth. We actually have a lot more available water than you would think, but we experience a lot of water scarcity because of distribution and areas that um, essentially have to have excessive, excessive amounts of distribution for them to get the amounts of water they need to survive. So I'm not going to give it all away, but we're just going to talk a little bit about water next episode. And then further down the line, um, I'm thinking of exploring a little bit sustainability in social media and sustainability and, and technology and what uh, how we can be sustainable with our technology because, you know, a lot of people don't realize uh, your phone and your laptop and your tablet, they all contain rare earth minerals that have to be mined. And uh, oftentimes they're mined from war-torn areas or areas that are underdeveloped. And once you update your phone, like, what do you do with your old phone? Do you recycle it? Um, we're kind of going to address some of those issues in the coming weeks. And that'll put us up to podcast 8, podcast 9, and podcast 10 will be the end of it. So that's just a little a little bit of a update for what's coming up next. But this episode, we're going to have my phone interview with Courtney Bauer. She uh, used to work for a coal plant in Coal Creek in Underwood, North Dakota. She used to be a power plant operator, and now she actually works for an ethanol plant in Minnesota. So she tells us a little bit about her job, um, her job that she used to have in Underwood, her job that she has now in Minnesota, and just a little bit about that. And we're just going to talk a little bit about coal and 
and energy. So I'm just going to get right into it. You know, uh, we had Alicia Smith on, who works for Blaze Energy, last week, and her and I talked about how her company essentially handles emission standards and they catch emissions and they make sure that they're reusing their burn off properly. And what I thought was interesting and that you'll listen and you'll hear with Courtney this week is that, you know, I asked them both that, you know, oil, coal, those industries, they get a really bad rap with environmentalists. And, you know, we all know the reasons why fossil fuels are infinite or are finite resources and excessive greenhouse gases. We all know why. But what I thought was interesting is that both of them working in the coal industry said that, you know, the reason they think it gets the biggest rap is because there's misinformation out there. And I honestly think that that's a really good point that we should talk about for a little bit. You know, the reason I created this podcast is because sustainability and sustainable issues, they need to be understood before they can even be addressed. Uh, if you don't really know what the problem is, you're not going to know where to start, what to do and how to fix it or anything. So essentially, I wanted to teach people about sustainability through the three lenses, the economy, the environment, and society, so people are aware of the issues surrounding them. You know, a lot of times we can go through life and just live it however we want and become really self-centered, and that's not judging anyone. I'm the exact same way. It's really easy to get caught up. You know, even someone like me who's really focused on sustainability and I want to do it as a career, I'm definitely not as environmentally conscious as I wish that I would be. You know, I definitely don't save my money the way I wish I could. And, you know, sometimes I don't have time to volunteer in society and be a part of my community. You know, we've all been there. We all have lives to lead. And that's why just understanding sustainable issues and understanding how you can even do the smallest amount can help. And so, um, you know, when Courtney and Alicia, they say that the biggest issue they think is misinformation, I think the really the only thing that we can do to address that is obviously to become educated and become to become more versed in the ways you know we know environmentalists are on one side they're saying that oil is a killer and we see oil on the other side and those big industries saying that environmentalists are over exaggerated dramatic you know whatever they say but at the end of the day you know people base their lives and their livelihoods and all this kind of stuff and having jobs in the in the in the coal and the oil and the industries that we know are pumping excess greenhouse gases into the air. That's just a fact. And I mean, if we were to stop all that tomorrow, people would probably be worse off because they have to work somewhere, they have to pay their bills somehow, they have to feed their families some way, and a lot of people really depend on the energy fields, the fossil fuel energies to get them through the day. That's honestly, that's just the truth. And so that's why sustainability has to explore the economic reasons behind why we use fossil fuels, not just the environmental reasons. Obviously, we have problems, but there are ways to address or even extract less or combine our energy methods in a way that we don't have to completely stop fossil fuel extraction and usage and we could still make strides towards becoming better environmentalists and towards protecting the earth a little bit. So Courtney and I talk a little bit about this, but um, the one thing that I think is most interesting about coal is that there are federal regulations in place that coal companies must follow, which states that they have to return the land to perfection, pristine. Essentially, they have to make the land back into what it looked like before they started doing the extraction. And it seems like a really good idea. It is a really good idea. You know, it adds some a level of accountability. But the only issue I see here is that it might not quite be enough. Um, we don't touch on it much, but me and Courtney do address it. But I just wanted to include here, because I had meant to uh, talk about it in our phone interview, and I just totally forgot. But uh, a good thing to 
remember about those regulations is that uh, the environment and the earth around us, uh, it, I think it takes uh, 100 years to form one inch of topsoil. So it's not just about letting the land and go back to how it was or setting it up to where it was or seeding and planting trees, but it's also about understanding the connection that <clears throat> trees and earth and soil and the bugs in the soil, the insects, and all the animals that live on the land, and even the humans, how we all play a part together, how we all connect together. Now, topsoil is this super nutritious soil. It's what you want to plant your garden in, right? It's going to give your garden the most nitrogen, the most nutrients, so it can grow, your plants can grow as big as you are big and strong, and, <coughs> excuse me, your plants can go big, you can get the best product, right? Well, essentially, if we're digging up the land, um, the topsoil is not going to be able to be replenished or replaced just by putting everything back into its place or or hydro seeding and waiting for it to rain. You know, unfortunately, that's our issue right there with coal, and you have to extract it from the ground. There's no, um, you know, oil where you pump it out. Coal is a solid substance. You have to take it out of the ground. So that's where I wanted to bring that up with Courtney, but unfortunately never got to it. So I just that's one thing I want you guys to think about um, when we talk about the regulations in place for coal. So before I get to it for you guys, I'll also um, got some good news here. My podcast is now going to be on Google Play as well as iTunes. I mean, this is through SoundCloud, and maybe you're listening through iTunes already. Maybe you're listening through Google Play. I have no idea. Probably not Google Play because it just got reviewed and approved for Google Play. But just thought I'd share that news because for our class, we're all pretty excited to start doing the podcast analytics and to see our podcast be syndicated on some networks other than just SoundCloud and maybe get famous. Just kidding. I hope I don't get famous. Um, well, I mean, maybe one day, but <laughs> not anytime soon. Anyway, so I will show, uh, I will play this clip here for you guys, uh, this phone interview I have with Courtney Bauer. That's after that, that's going to be about it for our podcast this week. So I'm just going to say thank you now for listening, you guys. I hope you enjoy my phone interview with Courtney. And don't forget, next week, we're going to be talking about water, sustainable water sources. Alright guys, I have Courtney Bauer on the line. She used to work at Coal Creek in Underwood, North Dakota. Now she works for an ethanol plant in Minnesota. Courtney, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So thanks so much for taking time to be on my podcast today. Um, my podcast essentially focuses on sustainability, um, how you can be more sustainable in your everyday lives, and what you know that really means for living in the adult world, what it means for the economy and the society around us, and this week we're kind of talking about sustainable energy and our energy options and what we can expect in the future as well. So that brings me to my first question, which is exactly how long have you been working in the energy sector and why did you go into energy? Uh, well, I started going into the energy industry as soon as I graduated high school in 2014. And I went into it because it's always interested me. And to me, it's just amazing, it's amazing how... Something from the ground can go to something as simple as clipping a light switch or something that we put in our vehicles. It just, the process is just so amazing to me. Sweet. So then, where did you go to college? You went to BSC, right? Or? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yep, I went to BSC. All right. 
So then when you worked for Colcrete, what exactly was your job there? What did you do? I was a utility operator, which is kind of a fancy for store labor. So I kind of went all around the plant. I did some specific jobs that the company wanted us to do and pretty much just helped out with everything they needed done there. Okay, okay. And then what was the, what's the name of the plant that you work now in Minnesota? I work for Genco 2. And that's an ethanol plant? Yep. And are you, like, just to kind of do the same thing over there for them? Um, I'm actually a plant operator here, so I help in the process of turning corn into ethanol. Okay, that's pretty cool. So what, like, can you, like, break that down really simply, like, how that, how that process works? Yeah, um... I mean, it's kind of a long process, but simply you just start out with your corn, it gets dropped off, you get it crushed down, send it to a couple different things. They they cook it, heat it, um, break down the sugar from it, and then we cool it. Uh, We cool the lick and eat the beer from it, which, and then we put it into a firm for about 11 hours, which turns sugar into booze. And then after that, it gets fed into a beer farm, which can go a couple different ways. It can go off the top as water and alcohol vapor, which then goes into the fire. So we end up with our our ethanol at the end of all of that. It goes through it. It gets vaporized and liquid into the vapor. And then it goes into a 200 proof ship tank, which is what we want to end up with, is 200 proof. Okay. Or if you go out the bottom, which ends up just going back into the plant, just to help out with our other systems we have going on. Oh, okay, I see. So you kind of, like, reuse some of the waste that you wouldn't be able to, like, sell or profit off of, basically. Right. Right. So then, okay, so my next question was how much does your company extract in a year, but are you just, you just do, like, the corn processing, or do you does your company also do, like, the planting of the corn as well? Um, We do a little bit of both the... We do plant our own corn just a little bit, not a whole lot. Most of it comes from the farmers around here. Um, but other than that, just focus mainly on the ethanol production and shipping that out. Okay. So how much ethanol do you produce in a year, do you think? Well, we do roughly 80000 a day, so that adds up to about $29 million a year. Holy cow. Yeah. So does ethanol go by like the gallon, kind of like oil, or like? Yeah. Okay. So how much does ethanol go for right now for the gallon for for a gallon? Um, I'm not quite sure. It kind of varies each day. Oh, okay. Is it fairly yeah, like? Something changes a lot. Is it fairly like comparable to oil, where like if, you know it goes from like sixty down to like twenty, or like kind of around there, or is it like cheaper than oil? One way to look at that is, like, when you're filling up your gas, which one's always cheaper? So one is the ethanol. Right, exactly. So ethanol is usually a lot cheaper than straight to get your premium. Okay. So, yeah. So, I see. So, okay, so that leads me to the next question, which is, you know, oil, you know, ethanol, coal, all that kind of stuff gets kind of a bad rap, like, especially with environmentalists. And my podcast focused on sustainability, which isn't just preserving the environment, it's about, you know talking about, like, addressing issues in the economy, like, do people have jobs and issues in this, or not issues in society, but how society works, and, you know, we depend on oil and those kind of energy sources, and we can't just switch over right now, so I'm not, 
I especially don't advocate for completely going off of it, but it just gets a really bad rap sometimes. So do you have like an opinion on that working in the energy sector? Yeah. Um, well, coming from the coal perspective, when I worked in coal, to me, it's just everyone's dreams is bad. People, I think, should just take time to learn about it, and they would realize it's not as bad as they think it is. And of course, it's not 100% okay for the environment, but what is these things? Right. Coal has, has an abundant supply, it's very cheap, and it has, it's a continuous power source. We're going to be using it for a long time. Right. And doesn't coal kind of have, like, regulations in place where they have to return the land at least to some sort of prior, yeah. like, prior, yeah. they can't just leave it, like, stripped down, essentially? Right. So, when you go to start mining for coal, they have someone come out there and take over the land. If they put that land back to the exact inch of the grass they have growing, the height of the hills, they put it back to the exact same where they found it. So at least they're not, like, leaving it to degrade or or be blown away or anything. Right. Yeah, for sure. So then, okay, so you addressed it already uh, that in your ethanol plant that you the heavy stuff you reuse in your plant. So does your company do anything to, like, I mean, other than that, like, you know, reuse or catch emissions, essentially, you know, if there's any sort of, like, burning or excess carbon dioxide, like, does your company work towards getting that down. I know um, last week on the show I had a friend of mine, Alicia Smith, she works for Blaze Energy, so she does, like, the emissions capture, and they focus on, like, reusing all of that kind of burn-off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, we have a big house on our hammermills in our upward that gets the dust, which, I mean, you, you never really want a whole lot of dust in your air system. It just kind of degrades your air quality, so mm-hmm. those help with that dust. It just kind of acts as a big vacuum. And uh, we have a CO2 discoverer and a freaking engine that catch CO2 emissions. And CO2 emissions are probably one of the biggest things you don't want floating around everywhere. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so we have some good that catches that. And, yeah, we, I mean, something as simple as we have containment areas in case of a spill. Right. It's kind of like what you said. People just have to take the time to learn more about it because they just assume that it's right. dirty and that it's not, you know, it's not... It's not good for the environment, and I mean, there are some areas that don't 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 do it well. But at least here in North Dakota, like we're you know super oil centric, super that's how we get all of our energy from, and we do it really re- really responsibly at least. Right. All right. Well, that's it for all my questions today, Courtney. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. I can send you a link to it later if you want to listen to yourself. If not, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Thanks. I'll text you.